Wizards fans, we're uh, going to be doing a special episode here for you today. I think you're going to enjoy this one. We've got a bit of a crossover, sort of special event episode here. We've got one of the hosts of the So Wizards podcast, Kevin Broom, also one of the, the big cheeses on the Bolts Forever uh, site. And uh, we just came out with an article together in the last day. So talking a little bit about the G League, I thought it was a good opportunity to get together and, and do kind of a collaborative podcast. So uh, Kevin, thanks for joining yeah, it's great to it's great to join you. I, I like this crossover uh, thing. It's we just have to work out. So, are you the Arrow? Are you, and, and am I then the Flash? I don't think I'm the Flash. I've never been accused of that. So, and then one of us has to be Supergirl, right? I guess I, that's going to be Ron. Yeah, I think Ron's going to have to be the Supergirl if he comes in third. Uh, I think uh, I think that's how you work in the pecking order there. So, I'll, I'll take either one. I, I don't think anyone accused me of being particularly fast, especially in a basketball court. Yeah, well, I think you, you, there's very little doubt that you're faster than, than I am, especially at, at my age and condition of my knees. So <laughs> you're faster witted. So we'll give you flash billing there. How about that? All right. OK, we'll go with that. And uh, yeah, this is fun. I mean, it was fun. You know, you and I have nerded out over G League and um, college players. You have just like this encyclopedic knowledge of college players. And of, of really, it's the whole, um, you know, NBA feeder system. And um, I get interested in, in using the stats to try to forecast. But a lot of times what I'm doing is just I, I'll run the numbers and then I shoot them over to you as like a credibility check. And then I think you kind of do the same thing sometimes, too, where I like this guy. What do the numbers say? And so it's, it's kind of a fun conversation to go back and forth on something. There's some guys that you watch, especially the G League's kind of weird because it's not sort of, it's not college, it's not the NBA, it's sort of its own style. And you'll be like, this guy looks really good, but is he impacting winning for them in any meaningful way? And and some of these teams are open about like, we don't really care if our G League team wins that much. So it yeah. doesn't even matter. I mean, I wonder if some of these coaches are just like, here's a ball. We'd like to see you go left more because you'll need to do that in the league. We don't care if you lose a couple of possessions. So that's kind of always interesting to see if any of that actually matches up. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I've had a theory for a long time that G league is actually a great, maybe the best developmental place mm -hmm. for coaches um, because there's so much flux. I mean, there's constantly guys going in, guys going out. It's, not unusual at all for a player to come in for five, six, 10 games, play great, get called up to the big team or get signed by a big team or go overseas for it and sign. And then they've just got to fill in with whoever they can find, you know, and, and even the coach has to figure out how to get that guy to buy into whatever team concepts he's trying to sell. He's got to get guys who all of whom think that the way to get to the NBA is by scoring yep. To buy into playing roles that will actually be useful to the NBA team, while also then because they're hyper competitive people, they want to win too. So it's like um, a lot of different things that are that are going on in the coach's mind and what the coach has to do, and he has to do all that with relatively few resources. You know, they don't have twelve assistant coaches and uh, you know nineteen trainers and you know sixty four equipment people. It's it's a much more bare bones kind of operation. I think if you ask any coach, they'll tell you if, if they have enough time to prepare for somebody, they can come up with a winning game plan. Yeah. But for these guys, sometimes they'll find out 15 minutes before the game that like the Wizards have decided because somebody is out a particular night that they're going to call someone up from from the affiliate. And it's like, oh, shit, my starting power forward just disappeared. 
yeah. you know, an hour before that's the linchpin of what we were going to do. And, and they still have to try to win a game, which is, is really yeah. interesting. And I mean, Nick nurse had a lot of uh, G league yeah. coaching experience. He's, he's one of the guys, but you know, you go back uh, a few years, you know, go back into the past and in similar kinds of leagues. I mean, Phil Jackson yeah. won like crazy at that level. Um, uh, George Carl won, won. I mean, there's, there's some guys who have gone on to have Dave Yeager, um, was successful there as well. It's not a hundred percent because of the, what's the guy's name? Um, Nate uh, Bjorkman mm, got did uh, not go well. It did not go well for him in the, in Indiana. He won like crazy in the, in the G league. So I just, you know, maybe he gets another shot at some point and, and gets a chance to show that he can coach because, you know, he can, but one of my favorite stories about Nick nurse that, that nurse tells is, um, you know, in the NBA, really everywhere, a corner three, right, mm-hmm. is is a big, very valuable uh, thing. And so, what Nurse actually started doing um, against a team was he he told his guys, you know, don't do this when you get to the NBA. But here, when somebody's driving, help off of the guy in the corner. And his assistant coaches were like, "Are you crazy? These guys can all, they're all good enough to hit that corner three at a high percentage." And Nurse response to that was well yes but the guard is never going to make that pass yeah and he was correct they never made the pass because they're all looking to score and so um you know that's that's just one of the things it's like that's a strategy never do in the nba works in the g league and uh, two years ago, they they were pretty good before COVID ended their season while while Ryan Richmond was still the head coach. And mm-hmm. they, air quotes, like tried to run similar stuff to the Wizards, but, I, you know, you can only do what you can do with the personnel you have. But he did more of like this sort of hybrid college approach where at all times they had two point guards on the court. Mm-hmm. And, and they were just like very, very solid with the ball. They got a lot of really good possessions which is the very opposite of this year's team, which I think we're going to talk about yeah. in a minute. But to your point about it being a feeder system for coaches as well, for anybody not familiar, uh, current go-go head coach Mike Williams is literally 25 years old. Yeah. And, and, if, and if you hear him talk, he seems like a 35-plus-year-old. And, and they mentioned in the sort of the first media day that he was 25 to Jordan Goodwin uh, and Cassius Winston, two of their guards. And Goodwin was like, mind blown by that because he seems so mature and, and, you know, Goodwin is pushing 25 years old himself. So it was just sort of, you know, hard for him to kind of fathom that this guy, um, but you know, makes it relatable. And I think they are playing hard if they're not playing especially well. So uh, let's get into what the numbers say about that. Cause they are five and three, which actually has them in reasonable standing. You know, typically if you're slightly above 500 in the G league, I feel like that gives you a pretty strong shot at a playoff berth. So, um, you know, let's, let's, let's break it down a little bit, I guess. Yeah. So they're five and three and, uh, but they, they are 29th in turnovers, uh, turnover percentage. They, uh, they, they are not careful with the ball at all. They also don't shoot very well. Um, when I went through the numbers, it just kept reminding me of the parent team of the, Mm -hmm. of the wizards, because, you know, they don't shoot three very well. They commit a lot of turnovers, but they defend, they, they defend well, you know. And so that's uh, those are that's good, at least the defending part. You need them, need them to hit shoot threes, especially for the guys who are, um, you know, that you're, that you're looking for to be like the 3 and D role players. You, you need guys that, that can hit threes. Um, 
the, the yeah, other thing, like but... the parent team, before we move on from that too, Kevin, they start off really slow in all of these games. Like they're they're constantly down big in first quarters and have to scrape back. And I, I don't know what that is, but that's another trend from the Wizards too. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, these guys are at 29.9% from three so far. So that's rough. That, that's, that is rough. Um, but yeah, that that's rough. And like I say, very high turnover. So it's... um. It's not. It's not the most aesthetically pleasing. They actually have a negative scoring differential as well. But I mean, it's still very early in the season. We're talking eight games, so um, you know, there's there's still plenty of time for them to, uh, you know, do different things. So. And for anybody listening right now, if you are listening to this on either the the So Wizards feed or the Believe in Wizards feed, send us feedback, write a comment, write a review, whatever about this, because we've heard a lot recently that people are interested in more go-go coverage. So if Kevin and I are going to do this and really break this stuff down, uh, we want to hear that it's paying off and it's actually like checking the box for people or, or meeting the mark. So let us know yeah. if, uh, if we're scratching that go-go itch for you. Yeah, cool. I like that idea. So, but some of the individual players are, are interesting. You know, you mentioned Jordan Goodwin. Um, He's so he's fascinating to me because, you know, when I just skimmed his numbers, I, I'm semi familiar with him. I, I had in my head that he was like more like a wing kind Small of 40 because of the rebounds, his right? numbers, and I yeah. see him at, you know, plus over 10 rebounds per, per 100 possessions. And I'm like, OK, you know, maybe a three and D wing kind of thing. And then I double checked because there was just something nagging at me. And he's six, three. You know, he's, he's an, basically would be an undersized shooting guard mm-hmm. and um, they would really need him to be more like almost a three and D point guard. And um, I, I don't know. It, it, he's very interesting. He's got <laughs> the, the numbers are kind of crazy. 5.2 assists per hundred, four steals, which is just outrageous. Yeah. Right. And 4.4 turnovers per, per hundred possessions. He was like at St. Louis, he was basically like, the A-10 Russell Westbrook, right? He couldn't really shoot, but yeah. he would grab and go. He was like force of nature at that level, really aggressive defensively, sloppy shit with the ball. But yeah. uh, this year, like all he talked about was how much he worked on his shooting. And the first two games, I mean, he literally, the, like the net had like smoke coming off of it and, and he was ridiculous. He scored over 30 points a game. And I think he was like over 50% from three after two games and mm-hmm. has like absolutely tanked shooting the yeah. ball since then. And, and the turnovers have gone up too, I think. Yeah. So the shooting does show up in one area. So he's 32.6% from three through eight games, mm-hmm. you know, not a, well, actually with him, it's probably, there's actually a ton of possessions because yeah, he, 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 he does go ball. through some possessions. Yeah. 43 threes so far through not a ton, but you know, a good number, but he's at, a little over 90, 90% from the free throw line so far this mm-hmm. season. So he's did some work on his shot. I think teams have kind of figured out too, that he's like the offensive engine for them because defenses have definitely changed a little bit. I, I will fully admit I missed their most recent game against the Skyhawks. So I don't know if that changed, but that is the nice thing about the, the G league a lot is there are sort of like paired up games most of the time. So mm-hmm. they kind of play out similarly a lot, but yeah, he, if, if he makes shots, he's an NBA player, in my opinion. He's really athletic. He does a lot of things well. He had a ton of, like, quadruple nickels at the college level, you know? Like, he fills the stat sheet, but you just you can't not shoot it, if, like you said, if you're a 6'3 wing, basically. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he's got to shoot it better than that. And uh, but like you say, you can see the the Russell Westbrook comp in the numbers. You know, we're you know you're talking ten rebounds at six three uh, per hundred possessions. That's that's really impressive. But one of our favorite guys, our guy, that yeah. guy I want to talk about. You know who this is, Joel Ayayi. He's a guy that I thought I had rated as basically like a lottery pick. Let me see, two drafts ago. Mm-hmm. So when he was, yeah, when he when he was a young, uh, what was he a sophomore? Yeah. So, but I had him like basically every year. I think you know the last couple of years I had him solidly in as like a lottery pick, and um, he went undrafted. <laughs> I, that puzzled me. I I think that the kid's good. I mean, he's skinny. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's got some he, he could use some work bulking up. Um, it's a little concerning that he hasn't gotten stronger at his mm-hmm. age. But, you know, he's he's the only player in the G League um, averaging a triple double per hundred possessions. So he's crazy productive. And it's kind of similar to his profile at um, mm-hmm. at Gonzaga, where he did a lot of like a lot of stuff. Well, he's not like a great shooter. He's good. But he does a lot of other things really well. You know, he, he defends okay. Um, not a big steal and uh, block guy, but more of a positional mm-hmm. uh, sort of stay in front of his man and, and challenge the shot kind of. And he's he's relatively fairly long. You know, could probably play shooting guard. He can definitely play shooting guard, but yeah. he can probably play some small forward as well. I think the thing that's interesting about him on D is that he's not like a great defender but he's good at like a couple different positions. Like he can almost like guard one through three respectful, like respectably. And like at times, even in Gonzaga, like he would end up like switched on to a power forward or something and like hold his own enough uh, because he's just kind of a smart player. So yeah. I, I don't know that that translates in, in the NBA, but the fact that you can put him a lot of different places, uh, he's like the utility man at that level. Yeah. So we uh, took a short break to bring in uh, the, the second half of the, or the first half, I guess, whatever, one of the parts of the So Wizards podcast, Ron Oaks Gunningham, who we previously had assigned the role of Supergirl, and, mm. and he, he thinks in the crossover universe, he, he says no. So yeah, I mean, I know like, uh, uh, what is it, like gender fluidity or neutrality is all the rage of the day but no no i am alexander luther better known as lex luther like that's that's who i am all right well we, but I'm not we all have to fight he was a good guy you know if you if you dig into him you got to respect him like he he made himself into something amazing you know yeah. i wouldn't do everything he did but i respect the guy no i love the character so yeah yeah, minus like the mostly evil stuff at the end. Yeah. So anyway, we were we were talking Joel Ayayi. Uh, you know, we were just talking about how um, he's the only player in the G League averaging a triple double per hundred possessions this season, uh, which is it's pretty impressive. He just he's you know rebounding well and he's their lead playmaker. A little high on the turnovers, but that's that's is the G he, League for you. Is he like more skilled than Neto? It's probably comparable. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but he's taller. He's bigger. He's more of a, a shooting guard, uh, small forward. I just wonder if, with especially with the assists, he's clearly the lead uh, playmaker for the team. Is whether they're trying to maybe see if he can be a backup point guard or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, okay, so that's like because Neto's probably outplayed the minimum. 
uh, this year, like the last two years. So someone, you know, maybe they thought last year was a fluke. That was your best season. The Wizards, we actually sucked last year. We just went on that crazy run. So I don't think we'll be able to afford him next year. So maybe your, your guy, Joel, uh, he'll be the next Gonzaga dude on our team who backs up the point guard. We'll see. You know, the Ravens had a lot of success sticking with like only players from Alabama for a while. So I don't know if that's like Tommy Shepard's thing is to just like heavily scout the Gonzaga and just and just hope some guys fall into his lap again. Could be. Yeah, it's, I guess it's like, a, you know, sort of cuts the whole process down. You can just, just visit Gonzaga all the time. <laughs> fishing with Mark Few. Some, some folks say it's the like it, it makes sense. Some folks say that's the best like school in D.C., you know, the Gonzaga in D.C. There you go. Yeah. Just keeping all the Washingtons together. No, no biases. Like some folks may say, that's the best high school. There you go. The Matha uh, will disagree, though. I, yeah, we will. We'll kind of edit this part out for the Dematha fans. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I went to Gonzaga. That's like there you can edit, I'll let it out. Yeah. Um, well, I do think a Yai though. I think he's an NBA player, and you know, I I think he's going to get there. He I, he does need to get stronger. I'd like to see him. You know become a like a 40 percent three-point shooter would be great um he's a, he's not far from that this year but um you know we'll see if he can do that of course at the nba level his free throw shooting is it's okay it's not it's it's about average so that worries me a little but you know i i i do think that he is an he's an nba player if a team can just sort of find the right place you know the the right team and I agree with you that it's it's that kind of utility player, you know, maybe a little bit like Michael Cooper was back in the uh, the old like uh, Showtime Lakers, where he comes in, he's like a, a point guard sometimes, he's a shooting guard sometimes, he can guard the wing, he can guard the point guard, he can you know guard whoever you want. And like you said, I don't think he's like going to be a lockdown one on one defender. He does do a good job of staying in front of his man, but he is just he. He just kind of has that knack of being in the right place of doing some of those little things defensively that help. So um, I think that, I think he's going to find a home somewhere. It would be great if it was in with the wizards because they could use somebody in their backcourt with a little bit of size. Ron, I texted oh. Kevin after like the second game of the G league season and was like, "Uh Oh, our boy here is struggling because he was literally like shot putting the ball from his chest to get it like to the rim from the NBA three point line. And he, he's already like, like Kevin said, shooting a good percentage when you kind of factor out the first two games. So Kevin, I don't know if there's like a thing where you kind of cancel out the noise of the first game or two while guys settle in, but um, you know, he definitely looks more comfortable already. So to your point, Ron, like I, I think he could do some of the things that Neto does for this team, maybe just in like a different way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll need yeah. So, all right. Who else do you want to talk about? We've, we've done Goodwin. We've done Ayayi. Who else are you thinking? How is uh, Todd looking? Is, is he yeah. has he been playing? Yeah. So he's he's um he's been a mixed bag, right? Like he uh he looked really good for a few minutes and then looked like he has no idea how to play organized basketball for the next couple minutes. It's it's interesting. Like the you know the so ignite- Baltimore. Yeah, exactly right. It's the Baltimore style of play. You know, he's, he's a little bit of a playground player there too, I think. But he'll he'll get a rebound and he'll push push it up the court, which is awesome. He'll guard a center on one possession and a point guard the next. And by design, not like on the switch. So they're doing like a lot of crazy things with him, which I, I think is kind of awesome. You know, try him in a bunch of different roles 
and then just see what sticks. But I've seen people like on the Bolts Forever message board, they're like, oh my God, he's the next Richard Lewis for this team. And he's shooting an okay percentage, I think. You know, he's kind of rebounded a little bit after a slow start. But I watched this guy after a Wizards game sit at the Capital One, you know, three-point line and brick like 30 in a row before like one even looked close to going in the hoop. So I don't think we should count him as like, a knockdown shooter yet uh but, he, but he's interesting what you, like what is because like with the with the shooting stuff you know that's how i view it um with the shooting stuff it's always uh you got to look at it in terms of like role like when golden state took over it was like okay we need shooters we need to space the floor we need to create that gravity uh kevin you were talking about one time in a previous like podcast right mm-hmm. but some players can do it like i remember uh, I remember reading something like Mo Harkless, who who came, who wasn't a good shooter of threes. Like he had built into his contract something. If he got to thirty six percent, he got a bonus. Then he never took another three. And to this day, I'm not sure if he has taken another three because that's not his game, right? He was a mid range player. So like, I guess my question is like, was like, what is Todd's game outside of being this quote unquote floor spacer that we all hope he is? Like what? What is his true strengths and what is like his true skill set? I can tell you what he's doing a lot of. I think Kevin's probably better suited to tell you what he's doing well so far. Uh, well, okay. So let me take what he, what he, what is he doing well? Uh, shooting free throws, 80%. That's good. Right. And he's finishing pretty well. He's shooting pretty well from two points. So he's, he's doing okay from around the basket. Um, that's kind of about a 2.2 blocks per, per hundred possessions. That's pretty good. Yeah, it kind of stops there. He's he rates really low uh, in you know my PPA thing. He's at fifty nine, averages a hundred. If I recall, he was pretty below average last season in the G League as well because he was with the Ignite and he did not play very well. Um, yeah. I had him in uh, as a don't draft, so um, you know when the Wizards got him in the second round, I was a little skeptical of that. It looks like he can shoot. I mean, he's only shooting 33% from, from three so far this season, but, you know, he's got a good shooting stroke. He's just so young. I mean, he's still, what, 19, 20 years old, and um, he's really skinny, seems mobile. You know, if he can – He's a good athlete. Learn how to play, he's, he can he – can, he maybe he can do something because he can shoot. He, he does have some skills. Yeah. See, like, the only thing – I mean, last year I didn't really pay attention to the Ignite – like – Maybe in a couple of years we will because it's a new avenue uh, to get to the NBA instead of like going through college. Like I'm really curious. I, I think um, as an aside, I why, why am I drawing Imani Bates? I think Imani Bates will go to the G League night next year because he won't be old enough for the NBA, right? So as they start to get more talent like that, it may be a good thing. But to me, it was like Todd, you played on the Ignite team, which was supposed to be full of uh, you know blue chip prospects and you're the only I don't know if he's the only one but you went in the second round while your contemporaries went you know top 10 top 15 so like what the, you know now you all saying he's a mixed bag and doesn't know how to play it could be one of those okay he's out of the league in four years or in four mm-hmm. years he's Pascal Siakam at like 2.0 you know yeah, yeah. but it's it like a be. common wizards thing like he can't help us now we can't help us. I mean, but in the second round, I, you're not necessarily looking for it. I mean, as high as they were picking, a lot of times you are looking for a guy that, that can help or, you know, maybe 
try to get into the rotation in a couple of years kind of thing. But I'm, I'm okay with taking a shot on somebody you think can be, you know, a star or can be a really high quality player down the road. It might take three, four, five years for him to get there. But, you know, if he pays off, cool. I, he's got a, he's got kind of a long way, but so you mentioned you like stars, right? And the G League Knight has one. This kid, Scoot Henderson, is awesome. And uh, he's he's not even eligible for the 2022 draft. He has to wait until 2023 because he's 17. He actually finished high school early so he could go to the G League. Ignite. He's got a Monty Bates class, uh, to your point, right? Yeah. And uh, Scoot could end up being the number one pick in the draft. He's He's got the second best PPA in the league. We'll talk about the guy who is has the best score in a few minutes. but. Scoot, he's six four. He he doesn't look like a seventeen year old. He's he's pretty well built, and um, he's okay. he's Fine. one of the more NBA looking NBA ready looking guards that I've seen um, and that I've looked at in 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 a while. You know, especially at that age, it, it, he's he's phenomenal. And the thing is, he's like insanely efficient on offense, and he's shooting sixteen point seven percent from three point range so far. So. Um, yeah. He's going to get that shot ironed out. This kid's pretty scary. Okay. Yeah, both uh, Sam Vecini and Chad Ford had podcasts entitled this week, Is Scoot Henderson the Best Prospect in the World? Like, I'm pretty sure they had the exact same wording, um, you know, for that, because he's just, like, blown up, especially over the last week or two. A couple, like, 30-point games, like, highly efficient, like Kevin said. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's... There are teams that are probably already thinking about tanking next year, you know, just to be in that kind of mix. Yeah, okay. he's he's a half an assist away from joining Joel Ayayi in that triple double per hundred possessions. So, okay. Yeah. Okay, so should we tank for him? Yes. Okay. Not off tank the table, right? Tank for Scoop. That's a pretty. Cool They're one. not going to. The Wizards will not tank for for Never. Scoop. But yeah. if you were ever going to tank, this would be the guy to do it for. Okay. So he'll yeah. be in Sacramento, most likely. Some somewhere, yeah, somewhere he probably doesn't want to be. Yeah. Okay. Um, or uh, Oklahoma City, or Seattle. Not G League related, but I texted Kevin a little bit about this for for anybody that is draft interested, looking, uh, you know, listening to this right now. Look up Victor Wenbanyama. He's a 17 year old French kid. He's like seven three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, freakish athlete, and. Just like, uh, I mean, he, he's probably the real top prospect like in the world at any level right now. Um, it, it's just ridiculous, like guard skills on somebody that big. So the two of them, I think, you know, is probably uh, better than, you know, Chet Holmgren and, and Paulo Bencaro are, are kind of, you know, rated yeah. this year, I think. You know, with all the pick that Oklahoma City has, maybe they end up with both of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it won't work. I mean, yeah, I've seen this guy. Like if he, if he uh, fills out, and you know, put some shrimp on. It's scary. He was given um the best defender in the world, regardless of what you make of him. It's still a Frenchman, his compatriot. Um, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Gobert. Gobert. Yeah, yeah. He was cooking Gobert on like some summer videos of them, like really going at it, like competitively uh, playing one on one. And I was like, well, this kid can shoot. This kid can dribble. He can handle. He's big. It's just I feel like I can outmuscle. You know, like. I- I feel like I can outmuscle him. And that's the thing, like, because when you're a big man, um, even if you have guard skills, you still have to, like, he's going to have to guard strong, powerful, tall dudes, right? And I just feel like they'll go right through him. 
I talked a little bit to, I don't know if you guys remember James Gist that, that played at Maryland, but Gist uh, was a freak athlete. He's uh, 6'9", power forward, one of the best you know defenders in the EuroLeague the last decade. And they're teammates in France right now. So he also has, in addition to Victor, he has uh, Costas Antetokounmpo on his team as well. Uh, just like that's a very athletic front court to rotate uh, through. But he said this kid is ridiculous. And this okay. is a guy that, you know, has played at, you know, like the almost NBA level and is definitely an NBA athlete and just said, like, he's, he's never seen anything like that. Uh, so uh, it'd be okay. interesting to track. So the French are coming. They're coming. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a, it's a weird thing, you know, like, because now. Like most most blacks in America forget that um, the diaspora existed in like Europe or everywhere around. So like all the good you have in America, you get back in in the EU. And lately, Europeans have been coming over here and dominating. Like like Giannis, Joel, well Joel Embiid is not European, but you know like Giannis is one strictly. Um, it's it's, it's going to be crazy because how I see it. I really think there's going to be like an NBA team where it's just world players. Like it's cool. just a world, like a world team. Like they're already do it during the, the all-star game. But it's just going to be a world team versus the U S and that will get the, the um, what's the best word to use for this. Uh, I don't want to say nationalistic because it's not, you know, well, I don't really think I'm going because it won't be nationalistic so much because I mean, to make an NBA team out of like, players from around the world it's going to be players from all from all different yeah. countries right but, but the americans like, you know the american french guys it gets rid of the u.s homerism about it you know like yeah. like less uh less stuck up about our uh, our play versus everybody else yeah yeah we'll see yeah kev who else you got on this list well <laughs> i think we got to talk about the guy who's number one in ppa who his it's terry taylor where does he play for? He, he, I think he's with the Mad Ants. Uh, Fort Wayne, yeah. Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Yeah, which is a great name for a team, by the really way. Really good. Yeah. And he's he is a, a just an absolute freak. He's six foot five, and he's averaging more than 19 rebounds per 100 possessions so far this season. It's just ridiculous. He's not a super athlete either, which is kind of amazing. Like you expect like this pogo stick guy, if he's going to get all those rebounds, but he's really just like that guy that's got, you know, the nose for the ball. Um, it, it's really wild to watch. So, yeah, he is. I mean, he's, he's a strong guy. He's sort of yeah. thickly built. Yeah. Um, and that probably helps um, a lot. And he's also like super determined. He defends, he blocks shots, he, he gets steals and he scores too. I mean, he, he really, it's his numbers kind of remind me of, of Dennis Rodman when he was in college, you know, okay. playing in the NAIA. And it was just like Rodman was just trashing that league because he was just that much better than everybody else. In Rodman's case, it was just the athleticism um, more so than anything else and the relentlessness of his play. But Taylor is just, that's it. I mean, he is just a relentless guy. And I'd love to see somebody give him a shot. I think yeah, what do you, what do you think? Totally figure out where to play him. What do you what do you think's holding him back then? Because I remember I recall um, I got to play basketball before um, Thomas Jones, like a running back from the former running back for the Jets and the uh, the Bears. I cooked him. I thought I didn't know he was a running back at the time or Thomas Jones. So if like it got physical, because we were talking trash, and um, if it got physical, I thought he was a, a I, he looked like a football player. Mm-hmm. It was like this guy, you know, football players when they come to the basketball court, they bring that CTE energy. 
Like this is a skill game. Leave that trucking folks to your field, to the gridiron, right? But it was him, Thomas Jones, and Anthony January, 6'10", freaking of an athlete, like signed with young money playing in Europe. Now ask them, what's like, if you could be honest about yourself or your game, what's holding you back from jumping from, you know, top level Euro League, G League. Well, back then it was the Development League, I believe, when he was uh, coming up to not get into the NBA. And, you know, answers vary, but I, I'm just curious to you guys' uh, impression on what's holding this guy back if he's clearly outpacing the rest of the competition in the G League thus far. So I remember hey, draft please. talk. Oh, sorry, one second. Like the, the buzz coming out of his senior year, he's a four year player. He was already 22. And like that already, if you're from a small school, went to Austin P, like if people don't know who you are and you never played, on ESPN, I think that already kills you like right off the bat. Yeah. And I was going to say too, that he's, he's six, five and he's, he plays inside. Um, you know, he, he only has 10 three point attempts on the season so far. He's just only three for 10. He does get to the line a ton. I think that there, there have to be questions from NBA teams about whether his game can translate because, okay. you know, a six, five inside guy, Probably not, especially if he's not a great leaper. Um, you know, you expect him to play on the wing. I mean, we're talking about he's basically the size of like Kentavious Caldwell Pope, but he's he's playing in the interior. He's trying to score buckets around. That said, I mean, again, at the G League level, he's dominating. Seventy four point six percent on two point shots. You know, yeah. that's just it's crazy. His effective field goal percentage is seventy point five percent, and that's without shooting threes. You know, so. He's he definitely is productive at that level. And the, the question is, of course, whether he can he can move up. But I if I was a team, I'd be willing to give this, especially if you're a bad team. Right. Give this guy a shot and see, because worst case, he, he doesn't work out. But, you know, if you're Oklahoma City or you're uh, Houston or Orlando or Sacramento is always bad, although Sacramento is a little better this season, but. You're looking for guys, and everybody needs a player who can, who can who can produce on the cheap. And so, you know, when you've got nothing to lose, try a guy like that, you know, and, and see if something clicks. If nothing else, he'll be a fan favorite. People people will like him. So, and if you're on a tanking team, like guys check out at a certain point. You know, I mean, like no matter what you do, if you've got seven wins and it's February, like it's tough to do. And this is a guy that would be hungry. And kind of push other people. So, I mean, if, if you know, you're going to use like the last spot on the bench for somebody, it's probably not the worst idea. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like if you're the Wizards, right? I mean, you, you could have Anthony Gill, 29 years old, and um, you don't play him. Or you could bring in Terry Taylor, put him on your, you know, sign him to a two-way, sign him to a minimum contract, whatever, send him to the G League some and um, have him have the end of the bench spot. And then when you have those garbage minutes, Throw him out there and see what he can do. You know, my my guess is, I, I don't. You know what? I don't know. I think he could probably figure it out if he had enough shot. You know, but he's also the kind of guy that doesn't get the shot because people think that he can't play. He can't do it. He can't translate his game. You know, there were some of the same doubts. I mean, it, the criticisms with with regards to like Brandon Clark, um, who was wildly productive in college, um, although Clark. And he was older as well, but Clark was um, 
was a big is a big time athlete, um, yeah. and and this this you know Taylor is not that. So it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. I'd love to see him get a shot. Okay, but just a quick thing. I rather he could take Bert uh, Davis' spot. Like we we can keep Gills better than Davis, so we can give those garbage minutes to to him by freeing up Bertons. You're not sold on the one strong performance in the last couple of days. I've seen this before. He won't hit them. I don't know a single shooter like who, whose role is just specialized shooter to ever come up big or hit the shots when you need them to hit it since Mike Miller and Shane Battier did it for like LeBron's heatles, right? Like Joe Harris, where was he? They're triple teaming Kevin last year. He's quote unquote better shooter than Steph Curry. You don't hit them when the pressure's on. Like, see, it's a difference, right? And yeah, like, so no, like he, he may help us beat Minnesota during a regular season. He got outplayed by Seth Curry in the playoffs. So get him off the team. And I'm just trying to say that because these guys are top 1% of what they do. I can never do what he does. It's just get him off the team. Get him off the team by any means necessary. Can we have to start a propaganda, right? Like, as a businessman, Ted's going to listen to the folks, his patrons, right? Those who put the money in his coffers, right? So with everyone, oh, we need dollars, we need a shooting. He doesn't yet see that contract as me. I think it was just strictly like negative. What we have here is two campaigns. You've got the, the free Terry Taylor, right? And we've yeah. got the imprisoned Davis Bertans. Yeah, throw him in jail. A victim. Lock yeah. him up. Lock him up. Like, lock him up. Throw him in jail. He stole money, man. He embezzled money from us, man. Lock <laughs> him embezzled. up. Did you see, like, did you see him nearly miss a dunk? He's 6'10". Yeah. He did put a couple guys on posters last year, which I found no, surprising. Like, he surprised some folks last year. He caught a oop. But, again, like, he almost missed a dunk. I've seen him miss, like, free, like layups against Boston. They could have cost us. Um, the game doesn't go to overtime if he catches a simple lob from Dinwiddie to lay it up. And, yeah, yeah it's just get him out of here, man. Get him out of here. Uh, he, he, what he does is shoot. That's that's his thing. He shoots, and he doesn't do anything else really at an NBA level. But uh, he is feisty. You know, he, he will battle. He'll try. But he's just not very good except for the shooting. He's not so. good. He started one for 22 after the injury, which is like 4% or whatever, which is, is insane. I mean – yeah, if you shot yeah. from half court twenty two times as an NBA player, you would probably make more than one. Yeah, but then he always like he's a guy who always have like a a lucky excuse to back him up. Like last year, like okay, you were injured, um, and then when you weren't injured, you shot about forty percent. Blah blah blah. Will keep you. So the same narrative is happening this year. Well, he just went off against Minnesota. So will blah blah blah. No, like. Cut your losses now. And get him out of here. You, he's not. He's not bad. He's just not good for us. I think that's the like perfect way to put it. But sorry about that. Uh, anytime I find a way to to feel my bird, like get him off the team slander, I will. Respect. Can we talk about one last guy that has at least some Wizards ties, and then I think people will probably be filled with uh, all the G League content they need at least for a couple weeks, hopefully. Kevin, you had one former wizard on the list here. You, you got to break down the numbers for people because uh, Tommy Shepard, I think, is going to always like go to his grave thinking that this guy had some potential and was worth keeping around. And and now maybe at least at the G League level, he's showing it. I assume you're talking about Isak Manga. That is the one. Yeah. So the man, Isak, the myth, the legend. 
Yeah, the myth, the legend. So it's funny, you know, he, he of the, what, like 11% usage or whatever is at 23.7% usage. So he's he's actually like playing like a normal player. He's looking to score. He's looking to make plays. He's crazily efficient so far. We're talking about a 131 offensive rating, 65.6% from two-point range, 42.9% from three, and he's made all of his free throws. Mm. Um, you know, if he played like that, he's 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 rebounding 12.6 rebounds per hundred, making some plays, more than four assists, and uh his turnovers are even high. So he's like uh, you know, he's he's absolutely dominating. And maybe the G League is just his level. <laughs> you know, that could yeah. be. Could be. He maxed out. Yeah, it's just funny to see him look, he's using 23.7% of possessions. It's only four games and stuff, but he's he's doing some stuff. He's making some plays, and they're looking to him to do that, and that is fascinating to see, considering what he what he did here in Washington. He might be the most experienced NBA play wise of anybody in the G League right now, other than like Greg Monroe. I mean, I, right. I didn't I didn't look that up, but you know, in terms of people that got like meaningful minutes in the NBA recently. Bonga probably has a, a leg up on a lot of these guys. Well, I mean, he was actually pretty good. What? Not last season, but two seasons. He was decent. You know, he made threes, uh, open threes, didn't try to do too much, defended pretty well. And, you know, he was actually kind of a useful player on a, on a bad team. But still, you, you could see, like, the sketch of what he could be as an NBA player. And then the next season he came in. And he, I don't know what happened, whether he didn't work on his game, whether he's out of shape, whether – I don't – who knows? But he he ended up riding the bench, and, and the Wizards were more than happy to let him leave. Some of these guys don't want to be three and D players. Like if if you try to turn me into a uh, a three and D player, like I will, you know, I, eventually it will tailor off. Because um, if I'm not mistaken, in like Germany, like Bonga, he was always been a focal point of like the team it's like but he's German cool. Ben Simmons I mean yeah he was yeah, he was a creator he was a playmaker he likes the ball in his hands coming downhill and then you know in the NBA granted the opportunities he did get the ball in his hand to come downhill he he messed up I guess like lack of reps or what have you but again I not that's where I feel like the conversation especially like with G League players because they suffer more than most is the role you're asked to play doesn't support the talent that got you there and that's like you know, it's an opposite. So, of course, like something's going to have to give. Like, am I bad or what you want me to do? I'm just not good at it. And that's where, you know, so people rebel, like rebel against uh, the folks in the front offices who are predicting the way the game should go. Because for me, again, I will have Bongo on the team over, you know who. Well, this is actually, I think you've raised a really interesting point, And that is that even what a lot of the guys are doing, the guys that we're looking at as being successful, what they're doing in the G League is really not what they're going to be able to do in the NBA. You know, you you talk about like um, Bonga, for example, using almost 24% of possessions. The Raptors don't want him to do that when when if they call him back up to the team, right? Uh, you talk about um, Goodwin using, what, 28%, 27% of possessions. The Wizards, when they call him up, if they call him up, you know, they've got Spencer Dinwiddie, they've got Bradley Beal, they've got um, other guys who can who can go score that they want. You know, they're proven NBA scorers, and so they're going to want that, and they're not going to want as much, you know, somebody 
to come in and just, you know, be jacking shots and stuff and, and, and doing that. So it's, and then the same thing happens like developmentally is like basically everybody who plays in the NBA, who makes it to the NBA was the best player on their, you know, junior high team on their high school team, on the college team or their, you know, pro team or whatever. And then they're, you know, they're the guy and then they get to the NBA and they're the the ninth best or the 10th best guy on their team. And then they have to figure out how to learn those skills. And so I've, I mean, there's, there are just different sets of skills that the players learn. Like if you are on the ball all the time growing up and then suddenly you get to a team with James Harden, right? You've got to learn to play off the ball. And if you've never done it, how do you know when to cut? How do you know where you're supposed to be? How do you know to like replace yourself and, uh, <laughs> you screen for a teammate and that kind of stuff. It's like, that's all stuff that you just got to learn. And I think kind of one of the challenges when trying to project a guy from the G league up to the NBA is, you know, what is that going to look like? You know, so you take a guy like Joel Yai, odds are the wizards aren't going to just like turn over the second unit to him and let him run point guard, especially if, uh, you know, they're trying to win and the games are close and that kind of stuff. They're just not going to do that. You know, it's the kind of thing where maybe he gets that shot if he goes to a bad team, but if they, they bring him in, they, maybe they let him handle the ball some, but you know, he's probably going to be like Beal on the court or, you know, Dinwiddie's going to be on the court. And so they're not going to be looking to him to initiate the offense, to get them into their offense. They might look to him to, you know, hit some open threes and, yeah. You know, make some plays, attack closeouts here and there, and otherwise set screens and get out of the way. Yeah, you've had guys the last couple of years at the college level that were like James Harden of their college team. You had Marcus Howard at Marquette. You had Carson Edwards at Purdue. You had Chris Clemens uh, at Campbell. And like these little guards that had like monster volume, it's never going to happen for them at the NBA. And it's like, that's why guys don't, those guys don't work out. And I've always thought it's interesting that there are guys out there that you see play like they're not stars of their college team necessarily, but you could see that projectable role. Like that guy could do that for any team at any level. Like, and first two that come to mind are like what Duncan Robinson does for the heat. He does at a much better level, but basically the same role he filled at Michigan. Yeah. And then you have like TJ McConnell, scrappy defender, setup guy, not asked to shoot beyond 15 feet. Well, I didn't project, so he didn't get drafted, but he does that at an NBA level. And I think there Alex are a Caruso lot of guys. Another guy like that. That's, that's like an interesting thing. Like, so players need to kind of have that awareness where what will my role look like at the next level? So let me tailor my game um, to that role right now. Because unless you're, you know, you're the number one, you're a blue chip prospect, like yeah. then you can do whatever you want. The, the, the franchise may may you know give you the keys from day one like for example whoever's gonna get chosen like whoever has like a first round grade on their on themselves but maybe it's mid to late first round then you need to play this season um based on what your potential role will be based in the league and i'm pretty sure like you know uh tommy has told the the coach of the the go-go hey this is what we envision droll to be thing is if you just told him that now he's several years behind the learning curve Mm -hmm. so players need to step that up but then like as a father or as a coach or any type of like parenting figure you're not going to tell your kid 
hey, stifle your greatness right now because when you get to the NBA or you get to top level, you won't be as great. But, yeah, but this is one of the reasons why I think, like, you know, when the Bulls, for example, when they went on their great runs, they were constantly bringing in these veteran role players. You yep. know, and you see that all the time. And part of the reason for that is that I think guys get to – the guys who are st- still around at, like, 26, 27, 28, 30, and they're not stars, those are all guys who have learned how to – adapt whatever they whatever it is they can do they've learned what their role is and they've learned how to apply their skills to that role mm-hmm. and so you can you can build a team that's like that i think it's tougher to try to like win a championship if you've got like stars and stuff and then you're trying to fill out the role players with young guys because the young guys all still think that they're going to be stars or most of them do anyway and it takes a little while for you know garrett temple you think about him here in in with the wizards you know, he Garrett was not, uh, you know, the best player on his team in college. He hated him the first year and a half, to be honest. He played yeah. yeah. Right. And so, you know, and he basically figured out in the minor leagues what he could do on a court to get him on, get him onto the floor in NBA games. And it was basically play defense, don't screw up, make shots when when they come to you. And he he's turned that now into uh, you know multi million dollar career. You know, he's, he's now, what, 35, 36 and still in the league. Still in the league. And, um, you know, you he's think better. about a guy like P.J. Tucker, right? Yep. You know, P.J., he's now, what, 36, 37, and he's still still going. But he didn't do that because he, you know, was a great scorer at 22. He, he's figured out how to apply what it is that he is to to the league. And he's another guy who's kind of small, short. He's yeah. not small. 6'6", six, six powerful. Short for his role. Yeah, sure, for sure. Yeah. It's all about knowing your role. Like, I even use that in like some pickup trash talk. Like, if someone tries to score, it's like, you're not a star, know your role. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you're a role player. Like, I've called players. <laughs> like, you know, like certain things, but it all goes. That's good trash talk, though. Do what you do. Yeah. When I was at Draft Express, they sent me this link and they said, hey, we want you to do an interview with this Australian guy. He's never done an American interview before. Uh, do you know watch some synergy tape of him first and then do the interview i'm like okay i looked this guy up i was like well really is this guy gonna get drafted and it was joe ingles and and <laughs> john gavoni and mike schmitz like they were they were on ingles like way before anybody and, and he was a reasonable name coming up you know in the australian institute of sport or whatever but he got cut by the Clippers because they said you're too slow and you don't do anything well enough now he's turned into basically a sniper but he does like a lot of things pretty well. And it's sort of like the reverse specialist model, like that versatility. I think, you know, you need the right setting to display it, but I mean, Hey, like how many guys have we like not given a chance over the years? Because like, well, he's not this, uh, he's not a shooting specialist. He's not a shot blocker. He's not like, why isn't just like good at a lot of things um, more of a valued skill set? And this is the thing is, I think part of the reason for that is that is the way we're, we're going kind of long here, but let's, this is interesting. So let's, but so, okay. I've, I've got a few thoughts on this. So one, Ben Taylor, uh, who wrote the book, uh, thinking basketball has great podcasts and everything. He talks about scalable skills, you know, like shooting is a scalable skill, right? If you can, if you're a great shooter, you can pretty much fit in anywhere. If you can hit a, you know, catch and shoot, right. If that's what you can do. There are other things like being an isolation scorer, not scalable, right? Because, and what he's talking about, and the, the ability to like break down the defense, mm. 
and, and, and drive and then make passes, that is scalable because at that point you're helping your teammates score, right? It's a question of like whether um, as an ISO scorer, if you put together a whole bunch of ISO scorers onto the same team, the offense doesn't necessarily get better without them um, because they're not interacting with each other. And it's that interaction that actually creates the, 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 the synergy and, and you know, the more, the more efficient offense. What the way a lot of teams get built and the way that a lot of people think about players is they think about them like in these like discrete packets of skills, right? And so Davis Bertans, for example, has the shooting packet, right? And so if you want to add shooting, well, go get a guy like Davis Bertans because he can shoot. And then if you want to add defense, you go get, say, Denny, right? Denny Avia, you bring him in. Well, we need defense. So you put in Denny. But to put in Denny, you have to take off the shooting, right? You have to take off Bertans. So where I'm getting is, is this is a point I've made a billion times. Um, uh, ben Becker, my my former former colleague, used to sort of make fun of me about this, but you got to take the whole player, right? And that's really what we're talking about is you need guys who, multiple guys. Like if you have a whole bunch of guys who are just skilled, right? And I'm talking that they're good shooters. They can all dribble. They can all pass well. They, they can attack closeouts. They can. Then what you're doing is as you're moving the ball, as you, you attack, you're drawing the defenders, then you're kicking out, moving the ball around, you're getting open shots that anybody can hit. And now you've got, you know, a, a, a really good team. And so that thing of being like good, like having somebody who's like a 10 in one skill and like a four or a three or a two in everything else versus a guy who say are six or seven in everything. That guy who's a six or seven may end up being more valuable yeah. um, because he can do so many different things. You need the guys who are versatile in their roles. I agree with you. I, I recall like I was at a barber shop once and a guy at the, the barber was like, would you rather be a, uh, a, a jack of all trade or a master of one? I said a jack of all trade. Like I like options. He's like, well, then you, you're a master of nothing. That's fine. I can do a lot of different things. So that's fine. So, yeah, I'd rather the guy who can do a lot of different things instead of the guy who can just, like, simply do one thing. And just, like, one point, I think ISO scores are scalable, like, in a sense. If you view what – like, if you tell me someone's an ISO scorer, that means, like, they can get a bucket. Like, they really can go get a bucket. And if you really can go get a bucket, that means you have the ability to draw two. Now, whether you're, like, mellow – Christ Bryant, you see two and you're going to like rise up over it. That, that's where it becomes, okay, ISO ball dominant players don't really work well together. And that's just ego. We all want the, we all want the ball, but then when it works, like it's beautiful and it's, it's glorious because it's so dominant. Like see the U S dream team. Only John Stockton was not an ISO scorer on that team, right? Like even well, no, but but you on that team though, you had everybody on that team was a great passer, virtually everybody, right? They all were great scorers too. Like that was their yeah, primary. You had Magic was a great great passer. Jordan could pass like crazy when he wanted to. Everybody on that team could pass. Well, that's the thing. Like so, when it works, maybe Patrick Ewing, but when. Great score. When it works, it works. It's just like when it doesn't work, it's the easy like out like to so segue that into the Wizards, right? We, like, we will have to pick this this one up later uh, because Ben Taylor actually has lots of math which go go into this and and, and but okay. it's it's interesting. You should read his book. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I yeah. I'll I'll get I'll get around to it. Send me the information. Like I'll get around to it just to like mainly 
have some counterpoints to his ISO ball. Like I'm all, I hate the make America great again, offensive system. Like I hate that stuff. Like, like I hate how it's like, like used as the, like as the standard of greatness, right? Like for example, the shooting, you know, like now I, I'm mad that the Warriors are back relevant because now more than ever we're going to get, oh, we need more shooters, more shooters. Meaning we'll see more Bertans, like more Bertans. And, you can have the right personnel for that. Yeah. Uh, so we got to bring up Jordan Shackle. We've got to unshackle Shackle. Okay. Like, dude, we'll do that. We'll do that later. But it's just like, you know, I'm happy. Like some, some of these things, we just have to realize like what someone's great at. Like great scores are, yes, they are great scores. But then also to be a great scorer, you must have a great basketball IQ. Like I know, like Michael Beasley can score. He's not a great scorer. I, mean, I don't care what anyone says. Like he can score. He's not a great scorer. Like so, these guys with like lower IQs, they kind of uh, they bring down a whole group, right? It's like the bad apple sinks the whole like the whole bunch, right? And I'm I'm tired of it. Like and I'm tired of people people using that as like an easy out to knock against ISO scores. And not, I mean, I love passing. Like my my best skill is passing. I was a midfielder in footy. I love passing a rock. I, I'd rather get an assist and a score like than a bucket. But I'd rather, like, if I have a great ISO score on my team, I know I'm going to get easier buckets just by cutting back the door, uh, knowing they're going to put it up, so trying to get in position to rebound. You actually help my life out, right? But just when it doesn't work, as always, move the ball, swing the ball, swing the ball, swing the ball. So kudos well, so, to those. So, but the, here's the thing. is like that, that whole, like, swing the ball thing is the, the order of that is wrong. So I think a lot of times where people are – go wrong with what that whole move the ball thing mm-hmm. is the idea that it's moving the ball is what is going to create the advantage. And so that's the reason why you run a screen and roll or pick a, you know, set pin downs, or you have these actions to create the, the, the movement. So, and the idea is that you get the defense to start moving, then you move the ball. So once you've, you know, you once capitalize on that. Yeah. Once you get like Beal driving into the middle and kicks it to the corner and then you swing it around. Right. Because mm-hmm. at that point, then you've got you're just passing it around until you get to the open man. Um, yeah, no, but not- I will say that the one challenge to that idea, though, is check out Bellamine if you get a chance um, to college and they they pass the ball almost as much as they dribble. And their offense is freaking insane. Oh, the Bellamine Knights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been on them before. Yeah, no, well, they are absolutely fascinating. They they will have possessions where seriously they'll they'll pass the ball twelve times and never dribble, and all they're doing is passing and cutting. And they get these alley oops, they get these backdoor cuts, just these crazy cuts, and then suddenly it's like the you can see the the other team they're defending, they're doing a great job, they're chasing them through all these cuts, and then all of a sudden th- there's this player catching the ball and dunking it. Like, how did he get open? You run it back, and it's like there's a lot of basketball players. A lot of basketball players can't focus. That's how they get open. You swinging the ball, that's not, I'm just gonna follow the ball, just keep rotating to the ball, hands up. Well, yeah, awesome. like I, I said, check out Bellamy. You'll, right, you'll, I'll, you'll I'll look at them. Yeah, I'll check, I'll check them out. But at, how much of that uh ball swinging has led them to get to the NBA? Because they don't, you know, they all they all have no, no, it's a different kind of player, different kind of player. <laughs> So. Well, I was like, man, all that ball swinging, get out of here with that. Go yeah. get some buckets, young man. But no, I, I just like I'm I'm joking, right? Like I obviously what you said last week, you know, creating the power plays, I'm all about that. Like I think every single sport, well, team sport, when you're trying to score a goal, be it footy, football, 
um, basketball, anything like that. It's all about creating an advantage to get someone displaced, right? So by any means, there's various ways to do that. There's various ways to do it. It's just now everyone thinks that shooting a three, because you're going you're gonna to run out, and it's easier to get past you if you're defending further from the goal than you are closer to it. Like now, if like Steph Curry, if I give you an up fake or a hezzy, you're jumping, or you're at least freezing your feet to where I can like easily dip my shoulder in and get past you. Because until this year, because um, he's going ridiculous from three this year, but majority of his shots came like in a lane and from free throws. Like he was still, that's where he gets the crux of his points. The shooting allows that to open up, right? And he's a great ball handler. And now, so I'm with you that we, we take it backwards. We're missing a step. We have the order wrong. The first order should be how do we create an advantage by getting defenders out of place? No one in the world is worried about Davis Bertans beating him off the three. No one in the world is like overplaying him. We're running him off the three and then we've done our job. So his shooting like ostensibly doesn't like open up anything for us because he's really not creating an advantage. And that's well, just how I see it. But he does help though, because, and he, or he has um, not so much, not as much this year, but he has helped in part because teams are afraid to leave him alone. So you can't help off of him. So if he's standing in the corner, there's, you know, there's no help coming from the corner. If, if he's on the wing, you know that there's no help coming from that side. The thing and about so, gravity, though, like they have to be a threat to do something when it matters. And, and kind of to Ron's point, like if you have one guy that's going to dribble 100 times in the final minute of a game and you know the ball is not going to go to Bertans in that situation, he doesn't actually have any gravity, right? So it's like, how do you set yourself up to actually maximize on those things? And passing and cutting is another form of gravity that I think people just think shooting, but you know, when, yeah, when you no, can put yeah. like passing yeah, is the gravity. greatest form of gravity. Like yeah. it's the greatest, the best form of, and it's the quickest. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, the, I could pass a ball way faster than I can shoot it. So like, I, it's even, it's more instantaneous. The thing is, um, and to your point, Kevin, it's just about the way to solve it is getting players who check six or seven in multiple categories. Yeah. Like, because then, then you, then that's when the education of the game becomes more important. Like the repetitions to make it habitual, like, okay, someone's doubling you, you know where to go with it. Like, you know, this is going to create that action. This is where you dump it off down. So whereas if you don't come out, I have a player who's adequate at shooting a floater. So we don't even need to get all the way to the lane. Oh, I have a player adequate one dribble pull up. Like that's what, that's the education of the game that needs to happen instead of this whole uh, you know, throwing all your money into shooters. You know, some teams, and again, I told you I'll find any way to bring up the slander. Some teams, you know, they give $80 million. I think only like 65 of it's guaranteed or 69. So maybe like 11, we might get $11 million write-off. But, you know, they give them money to to knock in two threes a game, two three get threes a game. So it is if, what it is. If there was still an amnesty clause, is Burton still on the team right now? I mean, like objectively, like, do you think the team has sort of cut bait on so. him yet? I think so. I don't I think, think so. that they've, I think that they, the way that they look at it is that he's been hurt. Yeah, he's, he's been hurt. hurt. So that that's, that's what they're doing. And I think that what they would want is just for him to get healthy. Do you all think that we're going to overpay uh, Trez? Because now fans, I disagree with why they're doing it. Um, they're, they're shouting MVP for him, which is disrespectful to Bradley Bill in my viewpoint. Cause he's our star. Like he's the superstar. He's the only one who should yeah, get MVP. Bill's not that good this season, but anyway, carry on. 
Yeah, but still, he's the guy you shout MVP for, not Trez. Trez is a glorified role player. But do you think we're, we're going to find ourselves in the same predicament by overpaying for uh, – what's the word? Because he's a less – He's a six player. man. Yeah, he's four six man. man. Like, cause he's, he's having a great season, a six but he is a six man. Yeah. He's, he's a situational player, right? I mean, like there, yeah. there are certain settings where you can't play him and expect him to be particularly effective. So if, if a guy is limited, how much money are you willing to contribute to that? I've seen a lot of stuff that says like right around where he's at, like maybe low double digits is sort of the range. I saw a few tweets like, are we going to max Trez? It's like, so, so what really is the overpay? If it's a, if it's a slight overpay to keep him on a short-term deal to keep Beal happy, I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, my my biggest concern with him is the length of the contract yeah. that they're going to do because he's what he's already twenty eight or he's going to be he's late twenties. Yeah. Like, I mean, if they do like the Bertans thing, give him five years, that's that's going to be rough because you were talking about. I mean, he I love watching the guy play. He is awesome, but he's also a six foot seven center, right? Yeah. And he he makes his living by playing super hard, being really physical. And being athletic, and those are all things that don't get better when you get past 30, right? And he just seems to me like, as much as I love the guy, that he, he's ripe for like a bunch of injuries when he gets past 30. And, you know, you sign him up and you're paying him until he's 33, 34 years old. I think the last like two, three years of that are going to be rough because I think that the availability won't be there. And especially if he does start getting injured, then that sort of scar tissue gets in there, you know, the athleticism is going to start to go. And I just think that it's, it's going to be a recipe. I mean, if they give him a two year deal, I don't, I mean, whatever, whatever you can afford. Right. I, I, that's fine. No, like a three year deal. I would say, you know, keep it, keep it down, keep it down. But um, on a two year deal, you know, whatever, because you're done with it pretty quick. We're going to give him five years, 80 million. <laughs> Watch. And he's going to justify He's like, look, the fans love. Uh, I saw Chase Hughes do a segment on his jewelry. Now, again, me personally, I don't understand why another man's fashion choice or whatever he decides to put on is making uh, the, the beat. Like, I, I don't understand why that's you, happening. You didn't like the sweater, the Kuzma sweater? When it's that bad, you have to talk about it, right? I mean. I don't know what fashion is, man. I, I think I'm, I'm a uh, – like my my idea of fashion is like Brooks Brothers and some Yeezys or something like like I I'm I'm simple so I don't Here's understand the what they're I'm, I'm not going out wearing George Marison sweater. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. But like, but anyway, to the point. It's just I feel we're we're setting ourselves up to where treads like will one become a fan favorite like the, all the publicity we're giving them and then two. Um, he's going to know that and be like, hey, you have to sign me. He's going to hold it over us. If it's a shorter deal, he's going to ask for more millions up front. Uh, so that two-year what? Talking two-year, $34 million, he'll get 17 per season to do what? He can't. I, mean, I, I got to be honest. I'd, I'd be fine with that. that. That would be okay. I mean, I haven't, like, I haven't done a lot of work. I mean, we're talking about Ted's money. Who cares? Okay. You know? <laughs> if, Ted's, if Ted's willing to pay the luxury tax. That's the big thing. That, that that's the question, right? Like, I I, I mean, I'd go whatever. I mean, I'd pay him thirty million a year if Ted's willing to, to willing to shell out. Not that he's actually that good, but just to you know to keep him as part of the team and that kind of stuff. And then it gives you the flexibility to go trade Thomas Bryant at the deadline, or 
you know, make other moves and stuff. And you, you, you've got the, at least this sort of like spark plug off the bench, you know, for, for a couple of years. And then, you know, you're going to rethink things at that point, but you would be at it anyway, because like I said, that it's that year three that I would really start to get worried about. Presumably Gafford should get better with age too, like, and, and be fitter and play more minutes. So at a certain point, the seesaw has got to tip one way or the other between those two guys. If Gafford gets better, we don't in, year, need in year three, though, like how do you justify thirty million for for Trez or whatever? Right, that's what I'm saying. That. Like a two year deal, and then maybe like a team, uh, you know, mutual option or a team option on the third year or something like that. Sort of two plus one, sure. Yeah, but um, me, me no, personally. I wouldn't go five years for him. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't want to go max or anything. I, I mean, I don't really care too much about the salary if it's two year deal. Just yeah, I, last point on it. It's like I love Trez. I love what he's bringing to the game. Again, like I'm biased towards stars. Like you know, like I I, I care about the the top of the top one percent. And I'm not saying that's not him. His work ethic and and some of the stuff he talks about, like I I, I resonate to. Like he mentioned his father was his biggest critic and what have you. Like I was also raised on the adversative method. Like build you down, you break yourself. Like you you. You break yourself down, you build yourself up, you're confident, all that stuff. So I, I resonate with him. He he's a dog. I just no, like no, like just not Stop. here, not our team. Like you are great, you deserve. Go play in Indiana somewhere. Let like yeah. no, as a business deal. I see what you're saying. You know, I get what you're saying as a business. Yeah. As a business deal, like no, because no. the thing is, do I think like in my lifetime the Wizards will win a championship? No, I've already like accepted like. Um, Chris Miller said that what's on so like the father when you talk about the Wizards. No, I think Wizards, I think of Hibachi. Like that's maybe saying my age, but no, Hibachi and Jordan still come before uh West on so it's like to so, so a novice or to a casual is like, oh, that's the y'all player's son, that's the son, you know, that he's a trivia question, you know what I mean? And it's just like if we're not gonna win a championship, then let's tank. Like, let me get a true star to celebrate. Like, Bill is that, but, you know, we would have tanked for LaMelo. You know what I mean? We lost a few more games or something like that. Had Halliburton. Like, give me something to be excited over before. Man, they could have just picked Halliburton. Yeah, we talked about that. Because Trez, uh, but on that note, I will say this to anyone's listening, Trez fan, like Kevin and I, we're, we're slowly doing it. But now that they're shouting MVP, the build around Trez, we got an, what would it look like if he was the focal point of the Wizards? Build around Trez. Like, how would that roster look out? How do you maximize his skill as he's your best player? So we'll see. It's not a very good team because the three games that, that Gafford didn't play, they were very, very bad defensively, especially uh, interior defense. So I, I don't know. I think the role he plays is is great. And let's see the guy do it in the playoffs like one time before yeah. we, we chain MVP for real. Yeah. 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 But also, you know, like, I mean, this team, even I, I can't really say this team is even built around Bill. It's just like Bill's the, the, the heart center of it all. Like true superstars, have, like they get the privilege of having a team built around them, like built with like to maximize their true top talent. So maybe maybe why Tommy hasn't done it yet for Bill, uh, Kevin, goes to your point. You don't think he's a true superstar? Maybe that's why he hasn't done it because like – we know Bill asked to get Trez in that trade. He's admitted to that on, on uh, record. We also know he wanted KCP. 
but you can't really say that that's them building around him. Like those are the, those are the two pieces you feel like you need to compete in the East. I doubt. So, no. well, here's the thing that they, I, everything I've heard from the Wizards front office is that they genuinely believe that Beal is like, not at the level of a Giannis, but that he is at that Top like upper tier yeah. of, of players. I disagree with that. I think he's, he's very good. But I think he's more like top 25, 30 than he is like top 10. Yeah. And they top think 20. he's more top 10 than yeah. 30, right? Yeah. So they view themselves as trying to build a team around him. Well, it's yeah. not working. Well, it's 14 and 8, baby. I'll take it. Got a lot of constraints. So I hope we, I hope we get over 44 wins because then you owe me uh, some, some vegan beer, man. <laughs> but all right fellas this was fun i have to get out of here now uh matt come on with us more man this is three three's a party man two's a like a, two is uh two's not a crowd two two's okay three's better yeah yeah it's, it's nice to mix it up sometimes too and, and guys i i really enjoyed this i think we could probably do another hour and a half uh between the three of us on, on something like this so happy to yeah. do a part two let's see how people oh, uh at one time We'll have to do one where we just watch the game, like, yeah. and then we just comment on, man, like, so using like my, my my girlfriend, she has me. Well, she doesn't like bird time. She she thinks she's stealing money for us too. And she she doesn't like it. the Wizards, even though she's been to more Wizards games than anything else. She she doesn't she hates this guy. Like she thinks she's stealing money. But she even says, "Y'all being hard on him, he's he'll get better." Can't have belief in NBA players once they show you what they can do. He's like, you show me once, you won't fool me again. I know his work. I'm not letting Seth Curry guard me. You know, in my head, Seth Curry probably locked me up. But I'm if I'm 6'10, a six foot two Seth Curry's not stopping me from going off. And we saw that happen last year. But in ne- any event, ne- next time we do this, uh, I'll have to tell the story of uh, the time I played against Dwayne Bryant, who was a point guard at Georgetown. Okay, did you cook him? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's cool. It happened. I think I just told the whole story. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> All right, fellas, y'all have a good one. See you next time. All right. Appreciate talk it, to you later. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking this out. I think this was uh, just like a fun, nice way to, to kind of mix up the content from, from both podcasts here. So uh, if you're subscribed to one, make sure you're subscribed to the other, whichever feed you're checking this out on. I think... Uh, you know, we, we we bring different things to the table here, but we all have sort of the same thing in mind, actually evaluating the team objectively uh, as much as we can, or maybe not even objectively sometimes, depending on what mood everybody's in. But uh, Kevin, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. Thanks for uh, thanks for actually talking G League with me. I'm glad we could kind of give the people what they what they supposedly asked for, at least. Yeah, no, this was fun, and uh, I'd be really interested to hear the feedback and hear what people think and to hear you know to folks can just ping me if you want to know like what somebody what somebody's numbers were i'm I'm happy to share so just uh you know find me on the internet somewhere i'm I'm around uh what's the twitter handle for the pod for anybody checking this from the uh, so underscore wizards so look look for so wizards it's the hashtag so wizards podcast awesome uh everybody rate review subscribe all that good stuff and uh hopefully we'll we'll keep bringing you more of the stuff you want to hear and read about